just want to say a real sincere, wholehearted thank you uh, from Tracy, me, from our girls, our family. Uh, we've been here for quite a while, serving the Lord uh, and his purposes in this church, giving ourselves to what we feel the Lord's asked all of us to accomplish. And um, we always feel so supported, loved, encouraged, blessed. We, we, we do have the opportunity to work with a number of different leaders, pastors, churches. And um, I can honestly say to you, there's just not a single church that I would rather be involved in than my church home. The culture, the atmosphere, the love, the embrace, the friendship, the, the unity. Uh, so many times we're working with other churches that are carrying so many issues. And, um, and I always come home and I just say, thank God for you. <laughs> but, but realistically, you know, in this month of pastor appreciation, my birthday, many comments, cards, things online. And, uh, you know, I just want to say a uh, hearty thank you to all of you and, and recognize that pastor appreciation done right is where all of us in the room recognize the Lord is our shepherd. And he uses lots of people to pastor us well. And so I'm just one of those people in your life. And I would encourage you, particularly over um, the next week or so, people who have helped draw your attention and your affection to the Lord Jesus Christ, would you let them know that may be a community group leader, it might be one of our pastoral team, it might be somebody that's not even serving in an official formal role of leadership, but God's just used them mightily to encourage you in your faith and your relationship with the Lord. He is our pastor. So why don't we voice our pastor appreciation to the one and only who leads this house like nobody else can, the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks. And I do want to say just in alignment with where we're going today and what we'll be talking about, um, I, I thought about this, Tracy and I, I mean, Almost our entire adult life, we've been here. It's kind of a crazy thought, but um, well over the majority of our lives we've been here. But I just thought about this. Of course, our girls have grown up here. They're adults now. But we have grown spiritually here because of you. Our spiritual well-being and spiritual development, our spiritual lives, our knowledge of Christ, our relationship with the Lord, that's all been born here. And, uh, and we owe a great debt of gratitude for what the Lord has done in that regard. And I mean, I just, I keep on, I know the Lord just keeps on drawing us to this tender-hearted place of paying attention to him as our way of life. And I hope you really capture that today, because uh, I have some pretty challenging things to share with you. And uh, I know that's pretty typical these days, isn't it? The Lord's kind of taking us to a deeper place. And how many of you know there's a price to pay to explore the treasures of the kingdom of God? And we live in a day in a world that tries to just make everything so easy and convenient. And I just want you to know the kingdom of God is far from convenient. There's a cross at the center of it. And Jesus set the example for us to understand the sacrifice of Christ should actually become our way of life in the way we pursue the heart of God and share his love with others. So there is something unusual and remarkable that the Lord is doing. You can turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 3. Um, really something remarkable God's doing in this hour of the church. And we've just decided that rather than being an expert in the old, 
we would rather become a novice in the new. Because an expert in the old really is only going to take us so far if we celebrate what the Lord has done and what the Lord used to do uh, and try and crutch it up and prop it up as if it's what he still does. Uh, but the Lord is constantly taking us into new season. He's constantly pouring out new waves of revelation. And revelation that's not nurtured is lost. It's very important that we pay attention to what the Lord is revealing and allow him to lead us, guide us, and direct us into the seasons of the church that he desires for us to have and ex explore. Uh, we'll be talking about this over the course of the next year. But the church, I'm convinced of it, has entered into a season of greater reformation than it has seen in hundreds of years. I, I posted on my personal blog last week, the Lord uh, is desiring to put the protest back in the Protestant movement. And that's what Protestant is, Protestant. <laughs> and so uh, there is a holy disgruntlement that exists in many of our hearts today. And, and it's simply the result of seeing the church not be who God desires for the church to become. That's actually a good thing. We're never going to hate on the church because how many of you in this room want to be like Jesus? Can I just see, raise your hand, you want to be like Jesus. Let me just make sure you understand this. Jesus loves the church and Jesus never misses a gathering of the church. <laughs> So I want to be like Jesus, and I need to recognize those are high values and priorities. So when I make statements like this, some people think I'm giving up on the church. I've had other pastors reach out to me uh, that have known us in times past and just check in and say, are you okay? You're not losing your way, are you? You're not losing your perspective on the love for the church, are you? And absolutely not. I want to reiterate that, affirm that over and over and over. I love the church. I believe in our church family. I just know the Lord wants to take us into deeper places of understanding who he's truly called us to believe. And that is the essence of this three-week emphasis that I've been uh, talking about, giant killers that began in Egypt. They were giant killers, but they had forgotten who they were. And there are a lot of people today that are actually giant killers of our generation, and they've forgotten who they are. And out of Egypt, then they found themselves passing through the Red Sea. Miracle happened. Moses is there, makes it all happen. They go through giant killers in the wilderness. And they've not forgotten who they are. They're simply learning who they are. And they're watching as they complain. Pay attention to what comes out of your mouth because it'll reveal a lot about what's going on in your heart. Uh, and so recognize that that was giant killers in the wilderness and they were complaining and, and constantly, you know, never feeling satisfied. And, and it's just easy to do that in the church world that you and I live in today. And I, it is so much easier to simply make a point than it is to truly make a difference. But you're called to make a difference, so don't settle for making a point or you'll just be a whining, complaining consumer in the church contributing to the problem of a lack of discipleship that's taking place in the Western world body. Sometimes we need to process just a little bit. I'm using uh, deep-seated realities with what I'm saying. And the Lord wants to really help us in all of this. So today what we're going to talk about is giant killers that have moved out of Egypt come through the wilderness, giant killers entering the promise. And I'm going to give you some practicals today and a commission, an assignment today of how you personally can enter into a greater place of promise. But it's not cheap. So I'll just tell you that right up front. 
I'd like to give you easy explanations of simple solutions and just one, two, three, ABC, and boom, you're in. You know, you just go right there. But the kingdom of God just has a certain price to pay. There, there's, it's, there's a sacrificial pursuit. You know, that our second, there are five things that we know the Lord's told us that we're to really focus on. First is we want to be outrageously loving people, not just a little bit loving, outrageously loving. But the second thing that we know the Lord's asked us to do is to be passionate pursuers of Christ. Passionate is a sacrificial pursuit. So, Lord, as we read your word today, as we sense the nearness of God, even in our conversation, would you help us, Lord, just to guide through just our, our brief time with something being deposited within us that would actually accelerate our understanding of what it means to live in light of eternity. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I want to read from Joshua chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. And, and I'm going to talk a lot about interacting with God's Word. You know, uh, as Christmas comes around, we always do these uh, journaling Bibles uh, that we provide and, and like the big margins and you can read a story and draw a picture and basically interact with God's Word over that particular thing. It's great for kids, but it's also wonderful for adults. Uh, Tracy works really hard to be able to get these Bibles. And, and I, I want you to know... Um, it's not a money changers situation. Uh, we're not making money on Bibles that we're selling. I, I want you to know that. It costs us more in the overall scope of buying these Bibles than we're going to make by selling them. We're trying to get the Word of God into your hands so that we can get the Word of God into your hearts. Not just, you know, nice little verses here and there, but actually interacting, not just reading the book, but interacting with the author. And, and it's a great way to interact with the Lord on a particular portion of Scripture. And I want to commission you to that today. And even as we're reading this, just realize part of my commission today is to challenge you to take segments of Scripture that you sense the grace of the Lord on. And out of those segments of Scripture, write your own words of a prayer. In other words, you know, Philippians 4, uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's a beautiful verse, isn't it? How can I interact with that on a deeper level? I write my own prayer out of that. Lord, your word says that it's through my relationship with Christ that I am strengthened. And if I can see the invisible, I can do the impossible. And I know you've called me to live a life where my faith is more than just a faith that I have. But you want me to live by faith. Teach me your ways, Lord. Amen. And that'd be a prayer then that you would pray out of that particular text of Scripture. And so think about that because I'm going to ask you to... Look in these early chapters of Joshua and write some prayers out of them this week. And so I want to focus in with you on chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. Very significant verse for this season of the church that we're stepping into together. When those who carried the ark came into the Jordan and the feet of the priests carrying the ark were dipped in the edge of the water... Now, this is different than the way they crossed through the Red Sea under the leadership of Moses. Now they're passing through the Jordan, River Jordan, under the leadership of Joshua. Notice the distinction. Very different experience for them, and that's significant. The water didn't part until their feet were dipped in the edge of the water. For the Jordan overflows all its banks at the days of harvest. The waters which were flowing down toward the sea were completely cut 
off, so the people crossed opposite Jericho. And what we need to understand is it's a beautiful reality that the Israelites came out. These giant killers that were in the bondage of Egypt, they came out, and the first thing they did is they passed through the Red Sea. It's a beautiful reality, and it speaks of water baptism in many ways. It's an incredible type for us to understand. Moses, the deliverer, comes and brings the revelation. The people believe in their hearts, and they're awakened to move out of slavery into sonship. Suddenly, the giant killers of that generation begin to understand more of who they are. All of that's significant. Jesus, the deliverer, brings the revelation, awakens something within our heart. We're coming out of the bondage of Egypt or the world system, and it's a beautiful thing then for us to pass through the waters because what happened with the Israelites when they passed through the Red Sea, everything that had held them captive and generations before them that had been held captive died and perished in the water that day. And we believe water baptism to be serving notice on the generational curses that the enemy tries to entangle us with in our lives. And we want to just walk in a place of great freedom from that. And I just say also during our, when we started singing again, when we, when he walks into the room, I felt the Holy Spirit saying, and I would just embrace, uh, I would ask you to embrace this in faith. I felt the Holy Spirit was saying to me, I am healing trauma from childhood in people's hearts and emotions and minds. I think today the Lord is reaching into some of that. We kind of joked in our family about uh, childhood trauma and things that we've gone through and things that I went through as a kid and how it affects my mindset now. And it's been almost, some things are kind of funny, but other things are just not funny at all because it's a reality. When you face trauma issues, then there are certain things in you, the mechanisms of the way you think and the way you process your world, it begins to be jolted and affected. And I just say in Jesus' mighty name, the Lord's reaching into that right now. He's been bringing healing into that. On, in this hour, in this day, affecting the way we think, our emotional ability, our emotional wellness, and our spiritual development in Jesus' mighty name. Won't you just receive that by your amen? And so it was just amazing when we see how the Israelites came across the Red Sea. Moses had this incredible role as a leader. And here's Moses, uh, you know, uh, the alpha leader of the moment, right? He's the one all eyes were on him. And he stood there and like they're being chased by uh, the Egyptians that are wanting to, to take them down. And they're looking ahead at the Red Sea and they're facing the waters and there's nowhere to go. And what do they do? They start complaining, fussing, and, you know, fighting about Moses. They're so shy and so immature that they, rather than taking responsibility for the moment to believe God, they just begin to set their, their sights on being angry with their leader. And, and there's a shift when we see that the river Jordan, whenever, whenever the Israelites passed through the, the Jordan River, they didn't look to Joshua, and Joshua didn't raise his hand, and the waters didn't part well before the people came. But it wasn't until the people actually started walking in an attitude of faith, trusting God, and their feet would then touch the, the edge of the water that the waters would go back. Do you see the difference in this? One is a greater place of maturity and involvement, your own experience and your own encounter. And one is, I watch you have the encounter and you help tell me what to do and where to go and how to get there. And this is the previous church experience where the church has celebrated rulers and leaders who bring about command and control so that the church can get from where it is to where it needs to go. And there's an alpha leader in the mix and everybody's going to do what that alpha leader says and it's my way or the highway. And ultimately, 
ultimately corporate strategies have invaded the church and we've allowed a CEO mentality and the Lord is moving us out of that corporate strategy into kingdom strategy where we recognize this is not about an alpha leader. This is about the king of kings and the Lord of lords that's only discovered in plurality and relationship. We're not trying to move into command and control, but we want climate control where we're producing an atmosphere and an attitude where we're taking root and we're growing and we're experiencing the presence of God. You're having your own encounter. I hope you're here and you're, you're hearing a message and you're saying, man, that message resonates with me, but you're born for more than listening to sermons. I'm not wanting to be your Moses standing up today and parting the water so you can go walk through the waters for a week and come back and let me part the waters for you again next week. I want you to be the sons and daughters of God that he's designed you to be. Find your way to walk right into the adversarial circumstances that are facing you this week because there is more than enough God's anointing in you to change those situations. This is the hour of the church. This is the transition of the season. We're moving from this Moses-style encounter. And thank God for the Moses-style encounter. It served its purpose for a season. But God's raising up the Joshua-style leader in this hour of the church. And we want to pay attention to that. We don't want to just base our lives on the encounter of somebody that we can respect or love or long to be around. We want to have our own encounter with God. And out of that, so much will be born. Ultimately, you've heard me say this phrase, but it starts to really make a lot more sense with the context of what I'm saying. God is transforming rooms full of consumers who love listening to a minister to become rooms full of ministers who love listening to God. You hear the voice of God. If you're a born-again Christian, you couldn't have become a Christian if you couldn't hear the voice of the Lord. Nobody decides I'm going to be a Christian on their own. They're responding to an invitation of God. So you actually heard the voice of, Lord in, of the Lord in the way you came from death to life. And now you need Colossians chapter 2 in the same way you were saved, so continue to live in him. Keep practicing the voice of the Lord. John 10, 27, my sheep know me. They hear my voice. They follow me. Romans chapter 8, as many as are led by the Spirit of God. These are the sons and daughters of God. You hear the voice of God. You don't need a man to teach you. You need the anointing to teach you. Under the sound of my voice right now, it's not my lecture style that's going to make an impact in your life. It's the anointing of God. When you sense the grace of God and the presence of God in a moment of interaction, lean into that. What is that? Write that down. Jot that down. Pay attention to it. Follow that. Watch for that grace. Pay close attention when you sense it to what the Lord is desiring to do. Now, I'm, I'm going to share something with you. I, I had kind of resolved not to. And, and it's not flattering at all why I had decided not to. I guess I didn't even realize before I left for England, I made the comment that um, the Lord was asking me not to prepare messages. And, and I, I did, I, I was traveling over there for 16 days, and we were doing, I was in three different studios doing recordings that would be aired for three months. Um, in addition to a conference, leaders, events, churches, you know, I, I was speaking in a number of different forms. The reason I was reluctant to say to you uh, kind of a report back, because I kind of had forgotten I said it, and then I had people asking, how'd it go not preparing for messages? And I was like, oh, I shared that, didn't I? Um, but the reason I've struggled with 
saying anything is because I'm just going to be real honest with you. There is something that the Lord is trying to root out of me that would cause me not to stand on a platform and talk about something like that from a, a sense of accomplishment, striving for affirmation, wanting to feel significant. You understand what I'm saying? And, and I mean, I, I would love to tell you I'm, I'm well beyond that, but I'm just not. And I guess I'm just coming to a greater reality of the things that I have allowed myself to, like, find a sense of significance from. And your affirmation has been a really important part of me finding my significance in times past. And I know the Lord's dealing with me on it. So then to get up and tell you, you know, this went really well, and I didn't ever prepare a sermon, and I spoke this many times, and man, can we play bad to the bone right now? And I'll just... <laughs> I mean, it's just so ridiculous. But that is a reality of what goes on in most of our, if not all of our lives to some degree. I don't think any of us ever fully conquer that. We just become more aware of it. And then maybe people that we trust look in and they say, hey, I think you might have been trying to find a little bit of affirmation from an unhealthy perspective in what you were saying. And if I'm humble enough, then I receive that from the people around me that I know love me and are looking on so that I can be more like Jesus. Because you can't do this thing on your own. You can't crucify yourself. <laughs> You can only get one hand in, and then somebody has to help you get the other. <laughs> it's not good for man to be alone. You simply will be too alive. And so, um, ministry went amazingly well. I was, in, uh, I was in one moment. I was asked to do devotions for one of the organizations I was working with. And they had their six executive leaders. Their, I don't know how, many, how big their organization is, hundreds of employees. And their six executive leaders were going to have a, a day of planning. And they said, would you come do devotions? And I'm thinking devotions, like, you know, devotions, like devotion. And they said, normally we take about an hour to an hour and a half. And I'm just like, what? Like, who's going to talk during that time? But I'm just telling you, I sat down with the CEO right there, and, 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 and I just started sensing what the Lord was asking me to say. And I stepped into the most mind-boggling rhythm of revelation I've probably ever known. In that moment, that, that one ministry time, I mean, it was transforming for me. The reason I didn't want to go into all this is because the, the way I prepared wasn't to prepare sermons. I literally would every morning commit to get up extra early and just listen and pray, read and listen and pray. There were prayers I was praying through, walking up and down the hallways of the hotel I would be in or in my room and, or outside if the weather was conducive. And, just, and I literally spent three hours every morning over the course of that entire trip in prayer. And, and there's, the, there's the point of contention with me because I didn't want to get up and say, you know, prayed all this time. And... But I'm just asking the Lord to do something in all of us because the point I'm trying to make with you to help you understand, how many of you know that that trip was probably more about the deep work God wanted to do in me personally as a man than anything else that happened? Would you all agree with that? And I believe he's wanting to do a similar work in you. But it's not cheap. 
I don't think I would have experienced what that was had I been here. And it was part of why he took me out of this context for that long of a trip. Now, that being said, I've already told Tracy and the girls, I'm never going to do that again. It was too long of a trip. So I just say that to you as our church family. There need to be limits and parameters in what the Lord's doing. And I know this is part of our assignment in the apostolic grace he's entrusted to our care. And I'll still be traveling over to England, but I'm not going to be gone that long again. Just, it was just too much. Uh, but it was, I, I feel it was right. And the Lord was kind of extracting me out to deposit something in and awaken something within me. And I've got this deep hunger now just to, to pray and go deeper in the Lord. And, and, uh, and man, I, I, it's, it's an appetite that's been unlocked. And I'm declaring that's being unlocked in you today, right now, in Jesus' mighty name. Because what God doesn't want you to do is just chase this out of a religious obligation. He wants you to encounter him and experience him and be awakened to the freshness of what it is to explore his presence as our way of life. So I want you to hear my heart as I'm talking about giant killers entering into the promise. And I want you to listen carefully to the statement that I'm going to say. In fact, I want to say it before it comes up on the screen. I kind of forewarned Lexi doing presentation today. I want you to hear it and think about it before you see it and read it. In the Western world church of the day that you and I live, we've produced simple sermons offering easy explanations for shallow solutions to life's deeply complicated problems. And the reason I want to say it for you to think about it is because I'm not trying to say Jesus is hard to understand. The simplicity of the gospel is the power of getting us born again into the kingdom. He came as a baby we could identify. There's no question the simplicity of the gospel is a beautiful reality of eternity brought into a temporal understanding and comprehension for every single one of us. But that's the beginning, not the end. Then you're born into the kingdom of God. That's why, that's why you have this, you know, this rather large book. I remember the first time I read through and I got finished with the book of Revelation. Like I was a very young Christian and I was like, I'm finished. Is there a volume two? I mean, I've already read the whole Bible. I mean, I literally thought that just in my ignorance and arrogance and all those things. And I was just trying to you know, figure out, I mean, this is like eternal treasure that unlocks something beyond your wildest imagination just by getting into the word and sitting with the author because it's not just about information of these words on a page it's about the spirit of God communing with your spirit as you're encountering the eternal nature of our heavenly father in this place of just being with him and we have to learn that in this hour of the church to become who he's called us to become We've offered these simple sermons, providing easy explanations, producing shallow solutions. And here's the problem. Here's the phrase that'll pop up. When we oversell and underdeliver, it contributes to the overstimulated, underdeveloped church that we keep talking about finds waiting on the Lord to be boring. In other words, I've not developed any type of personal prayer life, so don't ask me to be in quiet and wait on the Lord. That's, what, that's, that's where we largely dwell, particularly in the Western world church. 
We give these shallow sermons, these easy solutions, and we're overstimulated. This is going to be the best sermon of your whole life. You don't want to miss. You got to be back next week. It's going to be phenomenal. We're going to talk about how to conquer the devil in every way of your whole life, and you're never going to be the same. And we're overselling. And then, like, the sermon's not that great. We've underdelivered, and that creates the overstimulated, underdeveloped Western world church that finds waiting on the Lord boring because I'm needing you to give me another really awesome sermon series that's going to take me there. We have tried to tame Christianity into a self-serving religion, and God will have nothing to do with that. self-serving religion simply focuses on the sacrifice of Christ while neglecting any personal sacrifice that I should be making myself. The devil always stands in the way of your sacrifice, offering you a shortcut instead. But there are some treasures you will never know if you don't mature in the sacrificial pursuit of the eternal perspective of God. Everybody would agree the time I spent in deep place of prayer in the course of that time did something in me, and, and everybody would want God to do something deep in them. But it's the things nobody sees that produces the results everybody wants, and especially in the kingdom of God, where the unseen things are the things that matter more than the seen things that we have to focus in and allow the Lord to do a deep work in our lives in the unseen places. I'm going to read to you just a few journal entries from a man by the name of Frank Laubach. And, and you need to know this up front. He didn't live in a monastery in a lifestyle of isolation with nothing else to do, so he spent a lot of time in prayer. He spent a lot of time in prayer. I've been looking into some journals of John uh, Wesley and just different people that, that used to live from such an eternal perspective. I'm just reading some of their journals. I want to get, their, get, get a sense of what they were experiencing in their encounter with God so that it, it will help plug in more to the equation of what God's desiring for me to encounter so that I'll stand up here maybe from a little bit more of a perspective of saying eternity is in the house and the power of God is availed to every single one of us who are willing to press in and go deeper. And so I, I'm, I'm reading this, and this guy, he was a well-known educational professional. He worked many hours a week. He traveled extensively. He was a very busy individual, yet he writes things like this, April 18, 1930. I have tasted a thrill in fellowship with God, which has made anything discordant with God disgusting. This afternoon, the possession of God has caught me up with such sheer joy, I have never known anything like it. God was so close and so amazingly lovely that I felt like melting all over with a strange, blissful contentment. Having had this experience, which comes to me now several times a week, the thrill of filth repels me, for I know its power to drag me away from God. Which is such a powerful declaration that, it, that when I read it, I just thought... We're just trying to talk people into not doing bad stuff. 
It's like the answer isn't to not do bad stuff. The answer is to draw so close to God that the fear of the Lord is unlocked in your life and you wouldn't even think about some of those things the enemy's trying to offer you at the table of the devil because you're at the table of the Lord feasting on the real deal. The counterfeit has no hold. Where is the cry of the heart of Christians is that I just couldn't leave his presence. I just got in the presence of the Lord. And it was so rich and so enriching. I just couldn't leave his presence. Where is the cry of the Christian of our hour that says, better is one day in the courts of the Lord than a thousand elsewhere. Better is just one more hour of prayer than a thousand hours elsewhere. I can't leave the presence of God because I'm encountering God in such a powerful way. Where is that language? Because the language of our day tends to be, man, we had a great worship service. That was a great worship service. That was a great sermon. I heard that sermon. That was amazing. We've institutionalized our encounter with God in such a way that we've exchanged encounter for entertainment. We've exchanged presence for presentation. And we don't know how to personally dig deeper in our relationship with the Lord. You're amen in me. But I'm talking about you. <laughs> and more than that, I'm talking about me. The sacrifice of Christ is not the only sacrifice we should be focusing on. Is it too much to ask you to get up extra early? To get into the word and to develop a prayer life and mature spiritually in the way you walk with God Almighty? Is that too much? Because like, I'm just telling you right now, there are just some people, I feel like i got to convince them to be at church regularly. And regularly is like once a month. And I'm not trying to be, you know, a knothead. And I, I want to be, I want to have a sense of gentleness. I want the characteristic of Christ to characterize my life. I'm not up here with an axe to grind. I'm not angry because somebody's not willing to, you know, it's not that. I'm, I'm constantly coming back saying, Lord, would you check my motive? I don't just want the Lord to deal with my behavior. I want him to deal with my motives that produce those behaviors on the deepest level that I don't even comprehend and understand, but he does. And so I'm not here to, to try and, you know, condemn in any way. He's, he's not come to condemn he's come to awaken and enlighten and sometimes sometimes until you're willing to see the problem you can't address the issue that actually produces the problem in your life so here's the thing that I I want us to understand um, the nature of grace teaches us the Bible actually says grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness so the nature of grace is to teach us so recognize that when we talk about the idea 
of just watching for grace in a conversation. Sometimes I'll have conversation with people. I think I mentioned a few weeks ago that I, I saw these four guys that I know who they are. They know me. We all know each other by name, and I shook their hand. But when I got to the fourth guy, uh, whenever I shook his hand, I just felt a sense of grace. And it was like he pulled me in a little closer, and I pulled him in a little closer, and we just looked each other in the eye. And like we had a, a, a moment of, of deep relational connection that was just the grace of the Lord. You know what's happening there? The presence of God in that moment in time caused me to lean into something that God is actually trying to accomplish. Pay attention. This is going to happen for you this week. Just watch for grace. And, and listen, not just relationally with others, but when you turn the page you get into your word and you start reading and you read something in scripture and it's like, wow, that's fresh. That's grace. That's the Lord. Don't just bypass it. Have you ever had those moments where you had devotions like, man, that was so good. I wish it could always be like that. Did you pause to pay attention to the grace of God that was in that moment as the Lord gave his presence there to captivate your attention and get you to go a little deeper in what it was he's trying to reveal? And so I just got up early this morning, and again, I'm, I'm an early morning guy, but not like I have been. I mean, I, I, just, I just got up this morning extra early, and I just went through the process of reading and praying these first five chapters of Joshua, and that's, that's kind of your assignment this week. I want to ask you to make room, take time to read those early chapters of Joshua, Keeping in mind the new season of what God is doing in the church actually exists in the context of that scripture. We're shifting from the, the grace of Moses to the grace of Joshua. And all that's there on purpose for us to understand and get a clearer picture. And, and I kind of worked on some, some prayers out of those texts of scripture that I want to read to you. And um, let me give you your commission so that you kind of know this. And then I'm going to read those prayers. And then I want to give you a little bit of time. You see the cards on your seats there? Well, if you'll pick those cards up, I would ask that you actually hold that in your hand. I know there's some people like we're in church and whenever I ever ask you to do something, it's like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. It's that childhood trauma coming out. Won't you break free? <laughs> Take that little card. And if you look, they're, they're on the back of it are just blank lines. And today, we're going to take a little bit of time to wait on the Lord. And I want to ask you, maybe get out your phone if you don't have your uh, real Bible in your hand. And just start to read in Joshua chapter 1 and initiate the practice that I'm going to ask you to do for the entire week. And that is read those first five chapters really into six. It's crazy what happens in chapter 6. And there's storyline in chapters 2 and 3 that are kind of interesting. You might not find a lot of prayer insights of what to pray. But just as you're praying, you're going to sense the grace of the Lord. And so I'm going to ask you to write out a chapter. That's your action point. We bring God's presence to real life this week. Take some time and write out a prayer out of those. To, to hear the Lord, I'm feeling rushed. I'm just going to calm down. I am horrible at that. I start feeling rushed. I'm thinking about what time it is. I want to give you room. And I just, I'm, I'm lecturing myself when I sense and feel that. I just stop. We have to make room. Not for the stuff we're trying to accomplish, but for him. So I'm going to ask the worship team if you'll come... And I want to encourage you this week, turn your phone on Do Not Disturb. Turn on your worship. What you have to do if you're going to learn to hear the voice of the Lord, particularly in the early hours of the morning as you wake up, best time to get your brain turned on to, to Jesus. 
Just get up early in the morning, make sure your phone's on do not disturb, turn on your worship, brew your coffee, whatever you want to do in that moment. But then, as you start to just read, watch for grace in what it is that you're reading. And at any given moment in time, this is how it happened for me. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. I read that and realized the season is over. The season of what was in the church has come to an end. I want to say it this way. The show is over. Somebody standing up, raising their hands, parting the water on behalf for everybody to be dazzled. It's done. That's just no longer existing. And, and I saw that there. And, I, and so I, I wrote down, Lord, you're taking the church into a new season as you did when Moses died and Joshua was raised up. And this goes on. It says, and Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them. This is the giant killers entering the promise. And so I went on with my prayer, and I said, you've brought us out of bondage. You've taken us through the wilderness, and now it's time for the body of Christ to come into a place of greater promise where we begin to understand who we truly are because we know more who you really are. That's something I can just pray on a regular basis. I've written that out of that portion of Scripture. Anytime I think of it, I go back. I keep these on my phone because it's just easy for me to access at various places. You get it? Boy, that's a great sermon, Pastor. I'm so encouraged. Just I'm a better Christian. I don't want to oversell, and I don't want to underdeliver. I'm just telling you, you're going to have to make some room to go deep if you're going to go deep. And 2023, the revelation for the year is deeper. <laughs> and it ain't cheap. So, be strong, verses 7 to 9. Maybe this is something you'll pin there. I'm just going to give you a few moments just to kind of journal some things. I would suggest you write something out of this. Joshua 1, verses 7 to 9. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Isn't that crazy? Right there's a bunch to write a prayer out of. Lord, help us to understand what it means that you commissioned us to learn to be strong and to be courageous. That we'd be careful to obey your word. And in that place of obedience, we would learn what true success is about in the kingdom of God as we learn to keep your truth and your law always in our mouths, on our lips. Meditate on it day and night. So just let's wait on the Lord just for a moment. And just maybe begin to journal a little bit of the beginning of your prayer. And then you're going to have to take some time with this this week. You're going to have to spend a few hours with this this week in my view.
Lord, we want to grow in our relationship with you. We want to develop a prayer life, understand what it means to be spiritually developed, to live life from an eternal perspective more effectively than we've ever known. I believe that's what you're calling us to in this hour of the church. I pray, Lord, for all my brothers and sisters in Christ that over the course of this week you'd bring this to mind over and over, recognizing it's not just about the first five chapters of Joshua, though that'll be our focus this week, but it's about learning to interact with your word more effectively, writing prayers out of portions of Scripture that have been meaningful to us over the course of years that we might more effectively interact with you out of the reality of what you have spoken and revealed in those verses that have meant something to us in various seasons of our lives. In the name of Jesus, come on, let's stand together. Like I said, we'd rather be a novice in the new than an expert in the old. So if today hasn't suited your fancy well, just be patient. We're all on a journey trying to find our way. Uh, I anticipate that next week I'll probably preach less so we can wait more. Some people might say, I'm really not interested in coming to church and wait on the Lord. But it's just what I feel like the Lord is asking us to do. And so have some grace and some patience while we're trying to figure out what this next season is supposed to look like. And I believe the Lord's going to invite you into a much deeper place of what it is to walk with Him. So we're just take just a few moments, as is our uh, family assignment together. We're just going to worship just for a few moments. There's communion at the center, giving stations at the back, just that you might want to give in an attitude of worship to the Lord or celebrate the sacrifice of Christ, renewing your own sacrifice to Him. But I in- encourage you, let's bring the sacrifice of praise as uh, the team takes us into a little bit deeper place of just allowing the Lord to transact some things within us. I'm going to ask if the prayer team would make yourselves available right at the back. If today you have any decision to make, you say, I just want to become a Christian. I want to go deeper. I haven't been in the Word. I, you know, whatever. I wanted somebody to pray with me about any of those things. I want to pray with me about somebody else. Then our prayer team is available. They are Uh, solid prayer warriors who understand what it is to really engage on a deeper place with the Lord. And so they're going to be right back here during worship. Those of you that are online, if you'll just post in the comment field, we'd be delighted to really pray in agreement with you. But come on, let's join in just for a few moments. Before we conclude, we have some things to share with you as we dismiss. So if you'll hang in there, let's just join together for a few more moments of worship, and then we'll officially be dismissed.